0: Well, uh, we started last week about uh, subject matter that, that it's about hope and uh, which I've entitled, you know, Agents of Hope and Restoring Hope and so we're in the process of encouraging hope and with the idea that, that, uh, uh, that we become agents of hope. And we'll look at a, a man that became an agent of hope this morning uh, in, uh, in a dire situation. Uh, but in review, let me tell you, you know, just, just a capstone or just a little bit inside of what we talked about uh, last week as we started out. A number one that is that oftentimes we're looking for the vase when God has given us the clay. Many times we are shoppers rather than shapers. And God wants us to recognize and realize that He has given us the clay and the clay can become the vase, but as culturally, which we are, we always look for a finished product and, and you know, but God is looking for us to be, uh, you know, part of that, uh, the uh, the, d- the development and what's happening with the clay that he put in our lives and clay is humanity or raw material. Uh, so, yeah, we discussed last week how important that is, that is that. That uh, uh you know, we just can't show up at the showroom. We might have to get in the dirt, and out of the dirt, you know comes the formation uh, excuse me, and of course, all of the great possibilities that 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 uh, you know happen and, and are there, uh, you know when when that takes. Place. Amen. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, that we have this treasure in jars of clay. Jars of clay. It's, you know, uh, it not only speaks, you know what I mean, of, of how fragile it is, it also speaks, of course, you know what I mean, that, you know, of its possibility and its potential. It can be shaped. That's so what he said to the house of Israel. So said, He went down to the potter's house, and, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, in the process of, of the, the hand of the potter, uh, you know, the, the jar got marred, you know, it had some defects in it. And, and so he went ahead and, you know, he goes ahead and, you know, re-softens the clay and to make it into uh, another vessel. So uh, uh, anyway, God, God, you know, facilitates those things, and and we as as human beings are a, a, a real part of the process, you know, that takes place. And then we ask the question about what can cause your hope to sour. Hope is vital to life. There's a three four threefold. Uh, cord that's necessary and that's uh, yeah, is you know uh, yeah faith hope and love <laughs> all right? I'll get it uh, <laughs> but it's that cord it's that it's it's that bond <clears throat> and it's that connecting act aspect to the anchor that we have that enters within the veil and of course that was Jesus Christ that entered back behind the veil but we looked at the the story on the road to Emmaus how does uh, how does our faith you know uh, sour. Uh, how can a, how does our hope kind of sometimes get derailed? We discovered that sometimes we hope in the wrong things. We place our hope in the material world. Now that's a real part of our world, but you know, uh, our passage of scripture is Romans chapter fifteen. You know, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So there is is a source center, a resource center, uh, in that hope is not just something, you know, that that is a stagnant, uh, you know, uh, without a uh, a, a visible, viewable, uh, you know, identity that comes across. Joy and peace. Now, when there is hope that is, Abounding in in our lives, and so that's one of the goals of God. Uh, let's see here. Uh, some of the things that cause us our hope to derail and, and to, to sour is we become disappointed with God when our expectations do not match His sovereign purpose. God always reserves the parameters. For his sovereign purpose now, and you find this true these truths uh, in, in luke chapter twenty four on the road to Emmaus and uh, so god uh, uh, we can become disappointed in God because we focused on part of his word and not the whole of his word the road to Emmaus they focused on the glories of Christ and not the sufferings of Christ. And so therefore they're walking this road with full disappointment. They missed the sufferings. Uh, Sometimes it's the process. How do you get to the glories of Christ? Well, in that case, there had to be, in order for there to be a resurrection, there had to be a death. And, uh, Uh, So you don't want to overlook the scriptures, all right? They did not believe all that the prophets had said. They picked and choose. I like to do that too. But life teaches me that I will get disappointed if I pick and choose. And uh, uh, I can save myself disappointment in the sovereign on hope. And then we also discovered that frequently and oftentimes we mistake the darkness of the womb for the darkness of the grave. And the darkness of the grave, of course, you know what I mean? Is hopelessness. Doesn't have by and large a future, but the darkness of the womb, you know, is the place of possibilities and new births. It is the a beginning point uh, you know of something brand new amen, amen. it's It's where uh, you know what looks like the grave is actually. Something brand new that God is birthing in your life. Okay, and so it's very important, to, you know, and when uh, to see that, and and I think that we can we can rest in that, uh, uh, not to go to the grave with our thoughts, you know, and our plans, because He's a God of hope. He is not a God that has put you in. Hopelessness, but He is a God that has placed you in endless hope. Amen. Amen. Endless hope—that's the wonderfulness and the beauty, you know, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, uh, I, um, I hope to be this morning a, uh, an agent of hope, and. God wants us all to begin, you know, and uh, reach a level in our lives that we're agents of hope. It was, I believe, Peter that said that we need to be readily able to expound and tell, you know, to someone else the hope that we have. What makes our countenance different? What makes our outlook different? How is it that we handle life and the same situations differently? How can you face the furnace of fire like the Hebrew children and not get down? How can you, you know, uh, face the den of lions and, you know... Just use the lion for your resting place. Well, it's because somehow the God of hope has, has so uh, influenced your life. Your picture of him, you know, has been magnified. When it says magnify the Lord, it's saying, you know, you need an enlargement, you need a, a bigger picture. You need to blow up. You need to see God as, as he really is. And you, you, yeah, that happens through, through the word. It happens through, you know, just walking with him. It happens with fellowship with him. It happens with, with being with the brothers and sisters that, that, you know what I mean, that maybe have had some revelations. Because that is what happens. People get revelations and they share those revelations, and it it helps us um, along the way. But we're going to look at this a story of Paul from Acts chapter 27 today. Try to gather some things from it. Uh, you know, in how is it that you can be in the center of God's will and still face adversity? right in the center of God's will and still face adversity. It says in Acts chapter 27 that God had said, uh, spoke to Paul about that, you know, he must bear witness for him at Rome. Now, previously, I believe in Acts like chapter 24, you know, the prophetic word in the setting had come forth that he must go to Rome. And so, here is Paul, you know, just walking out the will of God. Now, first of all, you know, something I find amazing is this guy, he knew that he knew that he knew that he knew. You've heard that phrase. Why do you say that, Pastor? Well, who's going to get on a ship... When three times prior to this, three of the ships that you've gotten on have shipwrecked and put you in the water. No thank you. I mean, if we find out an airline is not quite up to par, we don't buy a ticket. We're not going there. But here's this, here's this guy... This is gonna be his fourth shipwreck in the story. But three shipwrecks in second Corinthians tells us, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, the adversity in this man's life. And yet, because he knows, he knows, he knows, he gets on this ship and you're kind of familiar with the story You know, he tries to warn them and, and, uh, you know, tells them that, you know, it's not a good plan. You shouldn't be doing it. Why do difficulties come while doing the right thing? Well, let's just discover a, a couple of reasons why. Number one, there is such a thing as satanic opposition. This same guy, the Apostle Paul, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he said, You know, I wanted to come to you over and over, but Satan hindered me. There is an opposing, there is an opposition, and it doesn't mean that you're wrong. I know. It doesn't mean that you missed it. We're in a conflict, we're in a battle. There are opposing forces. And the last thing, you know, that they want, Satan wants to be able to let happen is for you to get to your destiny. For you to get where the role that God has assigned you, you know what I mean, is possible for you then to walk out. It says that we are to, in the face of satanic opposition and adversity, we're supposed to submit to God, right? Submit to God. First thing that we do when you're facing uh, 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 adversity and you're trying to go in the right direction is you don't just go ahead and just totally entrust everything to yesterday's Relationship with the Lord, yesterday's voice from God, yesterday's experience from with God. You go ahead and you get, you know, a brand new encounter. You bring it up. You want to find out now if there is some lack of clarity that you're not getting, and then you go there. You know what I mean, and you get some clarity about it. Because that's what Paul did in this, in this voyage. Second time that God says it, you know, you got to go to Rome. He's standing there, you know what I mean? And the inevitable is taking place. He says, don't worry about it. I've called you to Rome. Now it's still not smooth sailing, you know, for him or anybody that he's connected with. You don't travel alone Let me say that again. You don't travel alone. And you don't travel just for yourself. Ah, you're important. Amen? This is the victory that overcomes even your faith. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. You gotta submit to God and then you gotta resist. You can't cave. You gotta resist the devil. You just you gotta get him out of the picture, his influence out of the picture, his voice out of the picture. Anything he says to you is gonna be from a distance, it's not gonna be from up close. Because it says he'll flee from you. Now, there's a lot of things still hanging around, but at least he's not there to go ahead and, you know, give you an upfront picture. You've got to resist him. Amen? Everybody hearing me this morning? Yes. Praise the Lord. You're not off track. You're not off course. It's a satanic opposition. How about when it seems like God doesn't intervene? God can prevent anything. You know? God can change things in a moment. But oftentimes there's lessons in this for others who are sailing or whom your life is contacted with and you're a part of it's not all about you. Now. In this case, there was 275 275 different individuals who needed to have an influence in their life so that they could see that you know there's a god. So they could learn that there's a different way of life as they watch this man of faith handle the situation and give them directions, even what seems like perilous times that they were facing. And so Paul began to show them a new way of life. So when you're facing the will of God and adversity comes, you know what I mean, invariably there's other people there. Handle it right. Because you're influencing. You're speaking into somebody's life. You're showing them a new way an optional way, all right? It's about others. Number two, when God doesn't intervene, there's lessons, in this case for Paul, as he grew in faith, there was lessons for us to grow in faith. It is this man, after all of these things, and he writes you know what I mean? And he understands that in his weakness, that's when he's strong. That learning contentment, whether or not the ship is falling apart, contentment, of course, is trust and reliance and assurance, and you know, in God's steady hand for the thing. He could see how faithful. God could be and how God could move in so that things can only go so far. Somebody give the Lord a praise because there's the truth. (laughs) Things can only go so far. He set a perimeters. He set limitations. He said to Job, he said, you know, go ahead, but don't you touch his soul. Pretty free rain. Pretty free rain, but a limited rain. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. A limited yes, rain. Now, do we like the parameters? No, not in the least. But there again is the sovereignty of God with an ultimate end to make it better than it was in the beginning. (laughs) To make it better than it was in the beginning. Adversity is where you're introduced to yourself. You get introduced to the real you in adversity your faith and my faith all of a sudden becomes real apparent in adversity. And so one of the reasons for adversity is, hello, me. Hello. I thought I had great faith, but I discovered I needed faith improvement. It's all right because God sees you as clay and accepts you as clay and not the vase. There's the story of Job, which we just alluded to, everything went wrong. But it all turned out right. Sometimes you can't make head and the tails of it. There's no common sense in it. There's no practicality in it. It is irrational. It doesn't add up. But I know the plans that I have for you and plans of good and not of evil to give you a hopeful and expected end. Yeah. When there's no explanation for the shipwrecks and the disasters which believers go through, there is still the unseen victory occurring far beyond the visible, which honors and glorifies God. Job said this after all of this and summarized it. He said, God, you know, he said, I realized that I knew about you. But now I know you. Really? So do you Know about God, or do you know God? Whew. And God wants us to know Him. Of course, we must know about Him in order to get to know Him, but ultimately, God wants you to know that he's someone that you can trust. That's someone that you can go ahead, you know, and rely upon. And though life is bigger than you, though the storm is bigger than you, the adversity, you know what I mean? You know, is beyond your capability. The seasoned, you know, Vessels, or or not vessels, sailors, were no match for the storm. They did everything in their power, but they could not stop the storm from breaking up everything that they were relying upon. And when the storm got done, all there was was pieces and parts They lost the cargo, but they didn't lose their lives. <laughs> life is always what God is about. It's not your cargo, it's your life. It's your life in Him, it's your life that you live for others. When it comes to cargo, many people got more cargo than you do. It's not your cargo. We do our best to save our cargo, and we should. Don't just, you know, just leave it without trying. But sometimes when you've done it all, you just have to let the storm take you. (laughs) Because it's gonna deposit you someplace. Somebody give the Lord a praise. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, amen, Jill. It's gonna deposit you someplace. There's an island there's a people there's a person there's someone you would sail by in your safe ship and so he breaks your ship to get you to an in-between port that you didn't even know that you were supposed to go to All you knew was Rome. God says, I got a layover. Hate those layovers. (laughs) I don't even like two stops in an airplane ride. It's straight through, and I'm not riding. (laughs) But that's me. You gotta get and stop over at Malta. The island of Malta. My, we are agents of hope. How many agents all of a sudden? got signed up that day when what looked like loss of life ended up to be no loss of life. And then land someplace where they go ahead and take care of you. You've lost everything. The cargo's gone. You're not to your destination yet. But God's got somebody that's going to fill in the gaps. That's going to hold it together. Now, you don't know this until it's all said and done. So it's okay if you're a little bit you know, overwhelmed. Adversely, right in the center of God's will. (laughs) Church, this morning, there's a whole kingdom within you. A whole kingdom within you. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's the rule, the reign, you know, and the, 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 the whole magnitude of the kingdom. Life and hope and truth. So the road rules... Run something like this. Sometimes following God, it will lead you into a storm. What do you do with some road rules? Avoid false thinking regarding God. God knows right where he at. Right what he's doing. Avoid isolationism. If you want to overcome the adversary in adversity, don't isolate yourself. Give thanks. Praise is the door to God's presence. Now, it's not normal, but guess what? We're not normal. We're not normal. Just ask some people. You got to trust God's goodness. So don't immediately assume that a storm in life means that you've stepped out of God's will. God's power is made perfect in, in weakness. I wanted to read something here, and I, I think I'll read it at this point. This is Peter Marshall opened a session of the United States Senate with this prayer. Our Father, when we long for life without trials and work, without difficulties, remind us that oaks grow strong in contrary winds and diamonds are forged under pressure. With stout hearts may we see in every calamity an opportunity and not the way to pessimist, pessimist that sees every opportunity a calamity. Our struggles give us an opportunity to testify to the things of life. These are the road rules in adversity. Every defeat, disappointment, every adversity... Carry seeds of equivalent benefits. Of equivalent benefits. Because God is greater. Job received twice as much as what he had lost. Amen? When he was seven years old, his family was forced out of their home on a legal technicality. He had to go to work to help support them. At age nine, his mother died. At age 22, he lost his job as a store clerk. He wanted to go to law school, but his education wasn't good enough. At 23, he went in debt to become a partner in a small store. At 26, his business partner died, leaving him huge debt that took years to repay. At 28, after courting a girl for four years, he asked her to marry him, and she said, No. You don't have it tough, do you? At 37, on his third try, he was elected to Congress, but two years later, he failed to get re-elected. At 41, his four year old son died. At 45, he ran for the Senate and lost. At 47, he failed as the vice presidential candidate. At 49, he ran for the Senate again and lost. And at 51, he was elected President of the United States. Abraham Lincoln. With every defeat, disappointment, every adversary, adversity, carry seeds of equivalent benefits. Dark nights empty nets. Disciples are fishing all night. They did everything they know to do. (coughs) They used every skill that they had. Maybe you have used every application that's known to men. Every channel, every door that there is, and the night has passed, and the nets are empty. You know the story how God turned that hopeless fishing expedition. Into a moment to remember. Never forget. Yeah. That's my musicians to count. There's so much to say, but I, I hope that I'm conveying the message as agents of hope. James says, "My brethren counted all joy. Wait a minute, God, that's a tall order. I think I'm gonna to have to get in touch with the Holy Ghost in order to do that. Because yeah. may the God of hope fill you all all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how you spend time with God or how much you spend time with God. But spending time with God makes a difference. I don't care if you're, how you're doing it. You're trying to engage all the principles, great. Or if you just sit there crying your eyes out. (laughs) Weeping lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Maybe it's still nighttime, and the time for the joy has has not come yet. I can't determine those things, and by and large, they escape us even. but i thought how many know that our thoughts really can mess us up <laughs> i thought that he was you know the one that we were looking for and this is mistaken the process which caused them to miss the person. <coughs> the process blinded them to the person. It happens with all of us, and so this is not, this is not a put-down. I guarantee you that the master is going to reveal himself and show you But after the process, there's a portrait. It's a portrait. Of who Jesus really is and what he is about. The psalmist David does his best to help us in the portrait that's Painted as we read the Psalms, but sometimes even reading the portraits presented by other people, it doesn't come clear. I don't know what the setting will be and what the circumstances, you know, that would accompany it, the revelation. But I do know this, that, because you really want to know, and that's where your heart is at. There will be some kind of arrangement In the darkness that seems to cause you not to see is actually the darkness by which is going to reveal the light. Because light shines best in darkness. In darkness is only momentary. Amen the road rules let's hear some words and we'll close I, I promise you Roman 15 and4 said everything that was written in the past was written to teach us that's why God said you need to tell the stories to your children my mom would tell the stories my dad would tell the stories the Old Testament is is a storybook confusing at times but you know Get through the begats and begets, and you know, you'll find out that you're begotten. That's right. Abraham would say something like this when he's hoping his own ability to be able to father a child and wasn't happening. He said, faith in God does not go unrewarded. He'd say, he's with us every step of the way. Even when you miss it. Gideon would say, you can have victory as long as God is on your side. He'd also say that Numbers do not matter with God. Daniel would say, with all the odds against us, we still come out victorious. Mordecai would say, if you are faithful and leave things in God's hands, he'll deal with your enemies. Somebody give the Lord a praise. (laughs) Hallelujah, church. (laughs) And don't think you don't have enemies. You have enemies. But God says, if you'll let me do it, I'll stand with me this morning. Hannah says God steps in in his own time if we remain fervent in prayer. David says when God's favor is upon us, he protects us from attacks of the enemy and we will always be victorious. And Paul would say, you've never gone too far for God to use and take take us to the place that he wants us. Our lives have been redeemed from hopelessness. Not just in heaven, but here on earth. Amen? So I'm going back to the title. God says, I'm looking for some agents of hope. People who have learned, you know, about the God of hope. To tell the hopeless to take those that are are in, you know what I mean, that are in the sea of your life and show them that there is a better way. Amen? Amen. Sometimes you have to hang on to the debris in your life. That's all you've got. But it will float you. Yes. Sometimes what God wants is when your sea is stormy, he wants you to share the good news. He doesn't want you to cry and complain how bad it is. You can get 275 people to join you when he needs one. He needs one. And this is what the Apostle Paul did. This is what we can do. One man with hope in his heart and encouragement on his lips could change, as Paul did, the whole attitude of 275 other people. People. It might not be 275 people, but there is somebody you know what I mean, one, two, three, or whatever, that you can help change the attitude that they have because they're in the same storm of life that you are. You look at them and it doesn't seem so. Their board seems to be bigger than your board, but life is bigger than them and it's carrying them to the shores, you know, wherein they're going to crash and they need to land on a right island so that they can get some kind of word of hope from somebody and that somebody is you amen give a lot of praise this morning hallelujah the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. God bless you. God anoint you. God, hallelujah, give you hope today.